so excited to be here with you guys today. My name is Ashley Baxter, and we are going to be doing some really exciting things, concluding today's series, Love, Sex, and Dating. We're going to be asking Pastor Jim and Pastor Phyllis about 30 questions that you guys have submitted over the last three weeks. So please join me in welcoming Pastor Jim and Pastor Phyllis to the stage. Hey! All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see everyone. So how are you guys doing this morning? Good. Yeah, we're doing good. You got the hot seat. I know. All the pressure's off of us. I'm feeling the pressure this morning. So um, we are just so excited to have you guys here today. And really, we want to just ask you to share your heart. Okay, we have a lot of really great questions, Um, about 30 questions. We didn't get a chance to get all of them in, but we do have some really good questions. And again, just please share your heart and get into the nitty-gritty of uh, the reality (laughs) that you guys live every day. The nitty-gritty. How many want the (laughs) nitty-gritty? Like the real deal. Yes, we want the details. We'll we'll see. That's kind of hard for us. We we fluff it all. (laughs) Yes. So, Pastor Jim, you wear a lot of different hats, right? So you're a father, you're a preacher, you're a husband. Um, how long have you guys been married? Yeah, so I think He doesn't that... remember. <laughs> 17. 17 years. Is that nice. 40? <laughs> February 26th was our 17th anniversary, our wedding anniversary. Woo! Yeah. Awesome. February 26th. Cannot believe it. Yeah. Years. So I think for me, the greatest hat I get to wear is husband and father. And then if I'm a you know, great husband and father, then I get to be a great pastor. So. That's awesome. And how many kids do you guys have? A whole lot. <laughs> Four. Four. That's right. We have two boys and two girls. Um, our boys are 10 and 8, and our girls are 5 and 4. That's awesome. Yeah, and something that's a little interesting, uh, you know, we like to always be sensitive about it, but our last daughter is, is uh, Raylan, and we adopted her. And so we're a little bit of a blended family. We're still dealing with uh, uh, parents and trying to figure it out. And so I think for us, we kind of understand the pain of multiple families trying to blend and, mm-hmm. and when people are in, in their life. And so it's, awesome. it's a fun, interesting dynamic. Well, we're looking forward to hearing from you guys. Pastor Jim, is there anything you would kind of like to say before we jump into some of the questions? Yeah, you know, I think for us, the creative team, we, we've been super excited about this session. You guys had so many great questions. Uh, I didn't know if anybody would submit questions, and I guess but the fact that it was anonymous, uh, you guys didn't hold any punches. Like, y'all just, you're like, I don't have to put my name, I'm going to ask it all. Uh, and so I, I'm really excited about this morning and, and really hope that you hear the heart. And, and my greatest thing is, Phyllis and I, is that you would hear the Father's heart uh, of what God would say in some of these situations. And, and just know this, that we as your church, we love you. And as your pastors, we love you. And just really privileged. I'm thankful I get to sit up here with this beautiful girl right here. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of nice. Get to hold her leg through the message. Yes. That's right, man. <laughs> Awkward. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So I'm not going to tell him what you told me before. Stop. <laughs> I don't, why does he always make me look bad? Uh, I, like the hot tub story at all. I'm like, okay, no. they know the truth. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so we're going to dive right in. Um, when should you start having the conversations about love, sex, and dating with your children? That's a good question. Yes. Um, I, I think really, I, I think the point 
is to avoid, uh, you know, the birds and the bees. I think, you know, our generation growing up, it was, you know, you, 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 you have to have that talk. Um, And so, you know, even growing up, I never, I don't feel like I had those conversations early on. I feel like I had the talk. Um, But really what, you know, Pastor Jim and I have learned, or what Jim and I have learned is that um, really just to avoid the awkwardness and to start at its early, I feel like as they're asking asking questions. I think, um, you know, at a very young age, they're asking questions about their body. They're recognizing, you know, the gender specifics and they're asking questions about, you know, your body and, and how we're, and if they have siblings, they want to know where babies came from, you know, and so all these questions where I think growing up, it was always just kind of a pat answer and, oh, that's cute. And then, but really I feel like even, you know, nowadays it's important to give them the right answer. And so uh, Jim found a great um, set of books. I think he was going to tell you about, cause they're really good. Yeah, they are good. You know, I think Phyllis is right. It's got to be the right answer, not just a pat answer. This is what I I believe happens with kids. Whoever defines it first wins. Yeah, that's good. good. So if you define it first, when they hear the counterfeit, then they're going to say, no, my dad, my mom, they told me what it's supposed to be, and that's not it. And so we, mm-hmm. you know, we bought some books. It's called God's Design for Sex Series. <clears throat> and uh, the books start to where you can read to your kids from the ages of 3 to 14. And uh, this is the horror story that I told you about. Don't read these books on your daddy date. You almost will never recover. I made the mistake. I thought, we're going to go on a daddy date. And my boys are like, Dad, we are never. The next time he said, okay, y'all ready for your daddy date? He said, no. No, no. 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 We, we're said, reading another Are we going to talk books. about that again, Dad? Because if so, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. like, no. So <laughs> find another time. But there's four books. The first book is the story of me, ages three to five. The second book is before I was born, ages five to eight. The third book is what's the big deal, ages 9 to 10. And then the fourth one is facing the facts, ages 11 through 14. And so it's God's design for sex series. And then that way you can have the conversation after you've read it, and uh, it, it sets you up to, to win in that conversation. That's awesome. That sounds like some really good tools that we can actually use. So in your opinion, how old should kids be before they're allowed to start dating? My girls never. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that, um, I, I just think, I think growing, I feel like it's kind of shifted a little bit, but growing up, you know, it was just, it's just something so common. I mean, even now in, in schools, I mean, early ages, they're talking about girlfriends, boyfriends, circle yes or no, and will you go with me and all that early. And so, um, I, I think that at the end, right before we got engaged, we realized, um, he had read a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And then, um, and then after marriage, you know, we, we were talking about it and, and saying, you know, we really want to embrace this concept of courtship that we're not going to, that we're not going to date. And we want to, so even now we're telling our, our boys, you know, you're, you're not, you're not going to date. Like we don't even, you know, we don't even go there, but then explaining what courtship is and the reason why. And so I think there's three reasons or, or there's a main reason is because, you know, you're building intimacy. So when you're dating someone, um, there's time spent on the phone, there's time spent alone, and I don't care at what age, you're building intimacy and you're getting closer and closer. So at some point, you're gonna hit three, there's gonna be three things. It's either gonna be you're so close and so intimate that you're gonna fall into sin, or you're so close and so intimate and you realize that you don't wanna fall into sin, so you break up, 
or you feel, or you're ready for marriage. And so I really, you know, he, he can kind of share a little about, about courtship, but I feel like if you're not ready to pursue marriage, then you should probably, you know, not date, so. Yeah, so courtship is the concept that comes before engagement. And what that is, is that is, hey, we're gonna begin to pursue a relationship that is heading towards marriage. So it's not saying that we're gonna get married. It's saying, listen, I'm of the age. Like, I feel like this is my season. And having spent time with you around other people, I feel like you might be the one. You've talked to other people and gotten their advice. Say, hey, I'm feeling uh, this way about this person. What do you think? And, and maybe it's your parents or mentors or accountability partners or your people in your life. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's a great fit. And then as you're hanging out with that person in a group, you discover, I think this might be the person God has for me. So courtship would go after all the things are yes, yes, everybody's approving, like this is, it's healthy. You approach them and say, I feel like there's something a little bit more than just friendship. I would like to see if we could consider this path. That's courtship. If they say no, then it's dead on arrival. <laughs> like it's no. But they may say, yeah, I'm feeling the same thing as well. And then you bring godly couples and people around you and, and you, you start to go out as, as, as more of a couple in groups and you begin to walk down the process of engagement and being married. That's the difference of courting versus just dating. Random dating is I like you, you like me, let's date, let's see where this takes us. And that's just right. a really hard road because it really doesn't lead down the path we want it to go in most cases. Whether you're too young, it's the right, wrong person. And so courting is really what we're helping to lead our family in. Right. So good. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Okay, how do you protect your kids from the internet and being exposed to things they shouldn't be seeing? Um, well, I think, you know, I think first it's just to realize that they're, we're living in an age with, with everything um, that is available that there, there really is no 100% protection. Right. There's really not. And so I think as parents, we need to be smart. I think we need to be aware. And I think we need to equip our kids for when they are exposed because, you know, they're walking around, you know, used to, it was like, okay, well, we can put um, a program on the home computer and we're safe. Well, that is no longer the case. Everyone is walking around with their handheld computer where they're not even with parents eight hours a day. And then even as a, you know, with adults as well. So I think the first thing is just being aware that there's no 100% protection and not to be naive like, oh, well, it'll be okay. I think as parents, we have to be 100% um, engaged in that. So Yeah, I think all of our kids are getting flip phones. <laughs> Say good luck. We joke around the old Nokia's <laughs> jitterbugs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's external monitoring and internal monitoring, and so a practical thing would be, you know, covenant eyes. Have you guys ever heard of covenant eyes? So that's a yes or no for like a home computer. Yes, no. So a home computer, you could put covenant eyes, and that helps to block inappropriate websites. Uh, also, there's net nanny. So our computers at the house have net nanny. My computer has covenant eyes, and then there's a thing called Open DNS that you could put on your router where it blocks sites where nobody who goes on your router is able to access certain sites. It's what we have at the office. And so those are the practical, what you can do. And then ultimately, you know, we talked about for us, there are no, it's a little overwhelming. Anybody feel overwhelmed about it? Like trying to protect your kids, anybody? You are quiet. Yeah, I know. So, so you feel, a little, I feel a little overwhelmed. Like yes. I, I, 
I'm like, God, please help our kids and protect them. And, and so I want you to know this. You're not alone in feeling that. Mm-hmm. We're fighting an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy our children. And, and that's, that's a real challenge that we face. But I, I think what we talked about was even more than that is really building a relationship with your kids. So that in the midst of temptation, in the midst of exposure, do you know now statistics are showing that most kids, it's not really if they're going to be exposed, right. it's really when, like right. at what age were you exposed? Yeah. And so the open dialogue says, hey, listen, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be mad. Listen, Carson, if something happened, like I want you to know I'm your advocate. You come confide in me. We're going to work this out together. There's nothing you could do that would disappoint me or cause me to love you less. We're in this together. And then I think if we do that, we build the family unit that says whether intentionally or unintentionally exposed, Mm -hmm. we can safely say, okay, we're going to bring restoration. We're going to help. And just know this, that's that's the beauty of the church and relationships is that we get to do this together. And uh, we're going to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Amen. Can you please address the topic of being pure again? Is it ever too late to establish purity until marriage? Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's too late. I think that, um, you know, in the physical realm, <clears throat> you know, um, I think God, but I think that God can always restore. I think absolutely he comes to wash our sins away, to make us white as snow, to make us pure. And so I think through him, absolutely. You know, I think when, um, I think, so yeah, I, yeah. So. Yeah, so there's a couple that you cannot get your virginity back. That's lost. But you can get purity back of heart and spirit and of your soul. And, and I love Jesus' response, right? John chapter 8, verse 11 we see Jesus' compassion for people. you got to know this. Jesus is for you. Mm-hmm. The devil is the one that wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so he would want you to believe a lie that, that Jesus doesn't love you anymore. You've gone too far. You've never gone too far. So if you sense the presence of God, that's God's power drawing you to him. And I love in John chapter 8, verse 11, we see the woman that committed adultery. Mm-hmm. And Jesus' response in that moment, see, the, the religious, they brought her out. And I always think it's, it's crazy. They caught her in the act of adultery. Number one, that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, like, I don't know how you, like, are you going out looking? And number two, where's the guy? <laughs> I thought I'd get a better amen from the women. But that's all right. I, I was thinking, well, okay. And they bring her out. And really, they're trying to trap him. And, and the grace and the power of God is where his, what they tried to, exposes a trap he releases as a power of love he tells her and first he looks at everybody else you know basically says if you've not sinned throw the first stone well we know what happens everybody leaves Mm -hmm. and so apparently I'm thinking he's writing out the mistress's names of all the women they've slept with outside of their marriage covenant that's what my mind is envisioning and so they're walking out says the oldest to the least and then last, he's sitting there, and, and he looks up, and he says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, I have none. And uh, he said, therefore, neither do I accuse you, and, and here is the key. Go and sin no more. Go. Don't, don't, leave your life of sin. And from this moment on, it, it was almost as if at this moment, it's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. I'm, I, I'm filling you with new power. Go and sin no more. And, and I think that's the key in this, is that... Uh, it's never too late for you to have that encounter with Jesus to go and not sin anymore. 
Don't let the past haunt you. Don't let Mm -hmm. your past define your future. Yes. Amen? Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Can you clarify how far is too far physically before marriage? Uh, yeah, for this reason right there. Okay. Um, well, I think that you're distracting me. I feel me. like Stop. I'm dating. Like, is that a sin? Um, I, think the thing, I think the thing that we laugh about is that uh, I th- well, we used to go on mission trips. Um, we were the leaders uh, in bringing a group of teenagers, and we talked about the sin line. And I don't remember what it was, but there was a, like a, an object lesson, but it was about the sin line. But the thing is, is I think we, we try to figure out how close we can get to that line without sinning. And I think that's when we fall. And I think the goal would just be to really to keep up safeguards and get as far away from the line as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you don't just fall into sin. And so, um, you know, and I think the second thing is just being in groups. I think, you know what, when you, when you hold hands, um, and you're in a group, and you, if you're courting or whatever, and you you know holding hands, and you're in a group, I don't think that. I mean, I think you just have to decide. Um, but I think when you're holding hands and you're in a dark room by yourself, that maybe that's not a good idea. Yeah. Like Hot you know, <laughs> maybe that's not a good idea. So I think it depends on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Come on. Come Tell on. It. Tell it. So I've told before in the past of a story, just, you know, I wasn't trying to throw anybody under the bus, but we were trying to get to marriage without having, without, (laughs) without kissing. And so I just read a book by Josh Harris said, I kissed dating goodbye. And I told Phyllis, I'm like, listen, like we dated years before and then I broke up with her. So it's a painful moment. She's still working through it, but... (laughs) No guy that ever did, not to rub it in, but just saying, and we got back together, and I thought, hey, why don't we, and we t- talked about it. We, we had made mistakes with other people. Why don't we get to marriage and try to not kiss? Well, it didn't really work. We got in a hot tub at I my no grandparents' house. I have no idea why house, it didn't work. Okay. And, uh, and we made it to the hot tub. she was kissing me he in said, the hot tub, and it just, we, it was a he struggle said, from there. I went, like, that was I the went. struggle. He we said, got close. <laughs> He said, let's go. We're just going to go visit my granny in Houston. At this time, we lived in Beaumont. Ooh. Bring your bathing suit. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, so all the while, he had a plan that we were going to go uh-huh. visit his grandparents. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But we're going to go get in their hot tub at night. Yeah. Like, okay. What how, how close was that line, Pastor Jim? How close was that line? Apparently. How close was that line? <laughs> Woo! Apparently, we just stumbled right across right. That, that line. Yes, yes. You get me in a hot tub, I mean, you know. know. Come on. That was your fault. That is so awesome. Okay. Next question. Okay. 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 So glad yeah. we're filtered. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you aren't married, how do you know someone is the right one? Yeah, I really think that's a simple answer. It's not as complex as you think. The Bible really says don't be unequally yoked. And so the key is, are they going in the same direction as you? Do they hold the same values as you? Are they going to church? Do they love God? So, so this is what I would say. If you're a part of the dream team, 
You need to find someone that is passionate about serving on the dream team. Because what I, I just had a conversation with someone, or it was just last month, and they went out with someone that doesn't even go to church. And my question is, well, do they go to church? No, they hadn't really found a church yet. Okay, well, that's a little bit of a challenge. Because my next question is, when are they going to find a church? And if they don't go to your church, what's going to happen when you get married? They're probably going to pull you out mm -hmm. of what you're passionate about. They're going to pull you away from yeah. you finding your purpose. And somehow we've got into this live missionary dating. Like, mm. I'll save them. They'll love me. They're going to do what I love. And mm -hmm. the truth is, they will till they get you. And then they're going to go back to their old ways. Well, and, and even if you are, mm. even if you are... You know, he's kind of talking about the missionary dating, but even if you are, let's say, okay, we're all serving. We're all on the dream team. You know, yes, they, that person does love God. How do you know it's the right one? I think that's where that's, it goes back to relationships yep. and accountability, and you listen to the people in your life because, you know, we can be skewed in our, and just distracted in yeah. our judgment. That's right. And our judgment by, by love and by emotions. And we want to, you know, we talk about spiritual order. We want to be spirit led. And sometimes whenever we have an attraction with someone, our, we tend to be led by our, our emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's why when people speak into our life, they're, they're seeing something you're not because you're being led by your emotions. And so I think you know, if you, even if you are all Christians, I feel like you have to listen to the people that God has placed in your life. Even when you don't agree and you're feeling something different, that's, that's why they're there. That's awesome. So, that's, awesome. that's awesome. That's great. Okay. How does God see and feel about living together? That's a great question. You know, so let, let me, we're going to get into a, a few little, little more serious conversations. And so I want to first recognize there are people in this congregation right now that are living together that are here at church. And so I want you to know, number one, you're welcome here. Uh, we love you. Yes. Love you. Love you. So, uh, so let me just do a couple of things. Let me address the question is about living together. Can I, can I just say this? Really living together is the counterfeit of God's best. That's so good. Because you're doing married things before you're married. And so you can never have God's blessing outside of God's order. And so the challenge is you come in and, and you hear the word of God and maybe you've been a part of this love dating and sex series or maybe this series last year. And the challenge is you apply married principles in a situation that is not a married principled situation. And so God blesses covenant. And so... I think you've got to go back to the whole reason why you're not married yet. If you're living together, are you afraid of commitment? You know, I know there's people that even have kids together. Like at some point, where do you say, hey, we got to do this right? Maybe you're wanting that fairy tale marriage. You just got to say, I'm all in. I've, I, we've had people, and man, the greatest testimony, I married a couple that had been living together, had kids together, started coming to the church. They were some of the first converts here at the church, and I had the privilege to marry them because they said, we want to do it right. We want God's blessing in this relationship. We want to be married. And so that's God's standard is really one man, one woman coming together in a covenant relationship, living in covenant until death do us part. We don't test drive marriage. Mm -hmm. Yes, good. and I think it's, and it's not even so much about the living together when he's talking about married things. I think living together, if we're talking about, you know, if we believe in, in God's principles and, 
and what the word says about sex outside of marriage, I mean, that's pretty close to the sin line. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty like hard to live someone. Right. If, if you, it would be pretty hard to live with someone and not um, have sex outside of marriage. And right. so I think that's really the principle, too. And so it's about putting God first and saying, okay, we're going to do this in the right order um, because putting him first and getting married and then everything else can fall after that. So that's, that's right. good. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. What if there is a guy at school that asks you out? You like him, but you can't date, and you don't want to tell him no because that response could hurt his feelings. Just we're probably, yeah, we're probably going to have two different. He's like, just hurt his feelings. <laughs> He's just like, so, um, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that, say that, say it again. Okay. What if there is a guy at school that asks you out? You like him, but you can't date, and you don't want to tell him no because that response could hurt his feelings. Yes, I just think sometimes you're, you know, I think it's just no compromise. I think it depends on, you know, if it's boundaries set by parents, if it's boundaries set by you because you're you're feeling, you know, that's a boundary you put for yourself. I just think, um, again, sort of your emotions can, you know, emotions can be fickle, sure. and so I think um, just sticking to what you feel like is important. Well, and I right. think two things too. They're going to experience rejection when you break up with them. Yes. If there's some reason this isn't the right person or by you telling him no. As a guy, I'd rather you be upfront and honest at the beginning. That's a lot less painful than going on a date and feeling like you led me on. Great. So that's, you just And he rejection. should honor your decision yeah. too. Absolutely right. agree. It's great. Okay. I yeah. recently started dating a guy who thinks having sex before marriage is basically a must. When I told him that I have had relationships where we remained celibate throughout, he didn't think it was possible. I really like him, but sometimes I feel like dating him means compromising on what I have been taught or feel to be right. What is your advice? I mean, I, I think, again, so, so love... Love is patient. Love is kind. Um, love doesn't pressure. That's good. And so if in that moment you're being pressured to do uh, things that you find that are against your morals or your values, that's not someone expressing love to you. That's selfishness. Yes. And if they're pressuring you in this, what you've got to realize is that that pressure doesn't stop because it goes back to what we talked about in the second week of the series if they, or the first week, if they don't know how to love you now, they're not going to know how to love you just because they said, I do. Right. So you got to go back to, hey, I want to find a person that knows how to love me the way God wants me to feel and, and, and experience love in my life. So, Amen. That's awesome. Okay. What is your take on divorce and how does it align with Scripture? Yeah, so, so here's... So I, I have, a, as a pastor, I can be, there's a couple of things. I can be God's editor or I can be God's messenger. And as your pastor, you want me to be God's messenger, right? And so I'm going to talk about a few things. And I, I want to know, I want you to know the next couple of questions. I think it may hit home a little bit, but I just want to be sensitive. There's, there's a couple of things. Number one, God hates divorce. I mean, yeah, God hates divorce. Everybody agree with me? Malachi, look at what it says in Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, 16, he says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. He hates divorce. So, so this is what you have to think about. If God hates divorce, who loves divorce? Come on. The devil. 
right? Because he's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so we realize that it's the devil that loves divorce. Why? Because divorce tears a society apart, tears families apart, it tears people apart. See, God intended for you to be connected with one person for the rest of your life, to raise a family, and in that family unit to stay together and to continue to multiply, but to stay together as family units. That's how you take division, uh, dominion, which was God's command for us, was to be fruitful and multiply. We take dominion of the earth. Well, you don't do it when you're divorced. You do it as a whole unit moving forward as God intended. And so when the devil comes in and divorce happens, God hates it. Uh, I will tell you this. There are a couple of reasons why God says you can have a divorce. Not that that would never happen, but biblically, there's a couple of, of, of reasons divorce would be okay. And you can go back on the app. They'll have all the scriptures. I just want to give you the heart of it. Is number one is infidelity. If someone cheats on you, and the Bible says you can't get over it. So if you're a spouse and, and you say, man, I just can't get past the fact that they cheated on me. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a wife. And for whatever reason, you can't get reconciled. The Bible says, listen, that's it, that you can divorce. Now, what would God love? God would love for for him yes. or her to be forgiven and for the marriage to be mm-hmm. restored and for that marriage to be a testimony to the world that God right. restores broken things. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. That's good. So, so God would restore that. But, but if it can't, God says you can, you can get a divorce. The second thing is uh, when an, a believer is married to an unbeliever, and uh, Paul's the one that talked about this, and that unbeliever leaves the believing spouse saying, I cannot handle this Christian faith you're a fanatic, I can't handle it, and they leave. Paul says, okay, well, that, that's okay, that's acceptable. If they leave, let them leave, and then as the spouse that is now divorced, you can get remarried. And then the third one would be for abuse. If you're in a relationship where you're being physically assaulted and abused, and it is an unsafe situation, listen, you don't have to stay in that relationship and grin and bear it just because you're trying to be the salt light. No, it's a dangerous situation. Uh, you can leave that situation, and that's acceptable as well. And so those are really the three uh, reasons why divorce would be acceptable. Other than that, really, God created marriage to be a covenant for life. We, we showed the example of two lives becoming one, and it's the God factor inside of us that keep two people that are totally opposite together in that marriage, and that's the beauty of a marriage working God in and out and through us in this, this relationship. And so it's to be for life. That's so awesome. Do you have anything to add, Pastor Phyllis? Um, no. Okay. Awesome. So my husband and I were both married before and now have a blended family. If breaking that original bond is a sin, what does that mean for the destiny of our current marriage to each other? We both see ourselves as getting it right this time. Yeah. So, so let me just say, first thing is I'm not going to address the divorce. I think I just, I just told you the reasons the Bible says uh, we, we're to get divorced. So I, I don't want to address that. That's, that's details that I don't have in front of me. And, and I feel like you guys have it. Uh, what I want you to know, first off, is this. God is for you. Yes. Right. God loves people. Yes. And so he's not out there trying to beat you and trying to condemn and say, oh, my God, I can't believe you didn't get it right. This is what I would tell you. The past, regardless of the situation, is under the blood of Jesus. Come on. And so if you feel like you need to repent or there were mistakes you made, that's between you and God. When you repent... Mm-hmm. 
It says that he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. And we talked about breaking soul ties. So you need to, if you're divorced, you break those soul ties from the person you were married to. I mean, even if you've never been divorced, if you've had sex outside of marriage or maybe an emotional connection, I mean, all of us almost have soul ties. we got to break. So you break that. This is what I would say. You're in your marriage now, your second marriage now. You are blessed. God loves yes. you. He loves the fact that you are in a covenant relationship. And what the devil tried to steal, to kill, and to destroy, the miracle of God is that he's going to bring restoration in your life. And I believe many times greater than you would have ever imagined possible. And let me tell you, we believe in this so much. Uh, one of our couples who are a pastors here at the church ordained, this is their second marriage. Mm-hmm. And they are still pastors here at the church, pastoring this great church here in Rosenberg, Texas. God redeems what the devil tried to steal, kill, and to destroy. Yes. So don't, don't allow the devil bring condemnation and shame. You're blessed. Now this marriage is for the rest of your life. Covenant till death do you part. So good. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned soul ties because that's going to kind of transition us to the next question. How do you renounce and break a soul tie when your soul tie is with the parent of your child? So I think it's the same. I mean, I think it's the same as Pastor Jim has spoken about, um, you know, breaking soul ties. I think because uh, that has to do with between you and the person. That doesn't affect the parent-child relationship. Right. That's a, an emotional soul tie or a physical soul tie between you and that person, right. which should happen if you're not together anymore or there's, you know, there's been a divorce or you're not together anymore. And so, um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't think it, sh- it will affect the fact that it's the father or mother of a child. Okay, awesome. When the Bible says for man to leave his mother and father, does this also speak to a woman? The answer there is yes. So it does talk about man and a woman are to leave their father and mother. We actually find this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, therefore a man will leave his father and mother and be joined or cleaved to his wife and they shall become one flesh. It's the, it's the man and the woman leaving their mother and their father and becoming one flesh. See, you've got two relationships in life. The first relationship you have is a parent-child relationship. Now, that's a temporary relationship. Uh, I know parents, we want to hold on to our kids forever. And we want to, so so at some point you're going to be connected with them forever, but really you're living together and that super intimate is just till they're of age. But the next relationship God designed was between a husband and a wife, and that's the permanent bond. Mm -hmm. Like when Phyllis and I got married 17 years ago, this is for the rest of our lives. And so she still has a relationship with her mom and her dad, and I have one with my mom and dad. But, But really when the Bible talks about cleave to their husband and their wife, that, that reference there is as glue. So you're, as a husband and wife, glued together. And so you can have other relationships, but my husband and wife is now my primary, and there can be no other relationship that gets in between that because we've left our mother and our father. They're still a part of our lives, but it's together they're a part of our lives. Yeah, so I just, yes, I think it does pertain to women. I think for women, I think a lot of times for men, um, they, we look at that as, you know, have, are they able to leave their home and provide for themselves and support? And I think for women, it has a lot to do with security. And I think we, uh, as ladies, you can feel security with your family, whether it's with your dad, whether it's with, you know, you may have strong family relationships with your sisters or your mom. And so I think 
for ladies, it can be um, that security. It can be the decision-making and, you know, for you to, to not necessarily, like to not listen to their advice or to go to them for security, but to fully trust. And the, I think the, the man needs that. Like, mm-hmm. so as women, we have to leave that security and put our full trust and security in the decisions that he's making and the decisions that you're making together. So that's I good. think that's important. So that's good. awesome. So good. Yep. Okay, so we just have time for about two more questions, so I have to get to this one. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Is it okay to role play in the bedroom with your spouse? Oh, you just had to get to this one. Had do you hear her? She it. said, I just have to get had to this to one. Had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna let, oh, now you're going to let me talk? That's awesome. Oh, sure, you go ahead, honey. I'll do the spiritual stuff. You do the. <laughs> Come on. Um, Yes. Okay. So I just, I think it's whatever you're comfortable with. You know, I think we've talked about that before and I just think it has to be mutual. I think, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says um, the marriage bed is undefiled. And so, you know, we talked about a God first life, honoring God, but I, but it's not honoring God if one is pressuring another to do something they're not comfortable with. And so, and I think there's even extenuating circumstances. So, I mean, that's just on a normal basis. And I think sometimes if there's been abuse or past hurt in relationships, one of those, I think there's two things. One, I think one of the spouses is, needs to be patient and needs to be understanding of that and give grace but the other one still has the responsibility. Like, it's really, it's not okay to just say, well, I have these issues and not work through them. Like, then there should be some counseling. There should be some moving forward because God is, God wants us to be intimate with one another and he wants it to be a deep level of intimacy and our needs to get met. That's, there's so many different dynamics to that. But um, anyway, so the point is, just go for it. Like, <laughs> Amen. Okay. Whatever, whatever so. floats your boat. <laughs> so, so let me just add one more thing. Yeah. The, the fact that that question is even asked, you got to remember porn distorts what God created. Mm-hmm. God loves to have fun, man. I don't know if you know, God is a God of fun. And you just remember right. he ex- he's the one that created this. And so just have fun, man. Don't let that shame you to feel like it's dirty. Sex inside of marriage is not dirty. Can I get a better amen, amen. than that from all the marriage? It's not dirty. It's good. Okay, last question. Um, is it possible... For a cheater to change? Uh, no, no, it's fine. I mean, ab- you know, absolutely. I think, um, but I think there's some, when you're walking that out, there's ob- obviously lots of different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some, some cues or, uh, what do you call it, indicators, some indicators if there's some genuineness there. And so I think the first thing is um, what steps are being taken, not just, I promise I won't do it again. No, no. What steps are we taking to make sure that it doesn't happen again? And so I feel like the first probably indicator of someone being truly repentant is that they're willing to do whatever, no matter the cost. And right. so they're going to have to go above and beyond yes. to build trust back again because mm-hmm. it was, you know, it's torn down. So you're going to have to build it back and you're going to, and there's a price. I mean, it's going to cost. Um, and then, you know, I think identifying what those steps are and just being willing to, um, to do whatever it takes. Yeah, and I, I think the question in itself is an indication of the situation. So a cheater defines character. And so I think that is someone that, in my mind, I'm thinking that is a pattern of cheating. If there's a pattern of cheating, that's a, that's a little, so that's different than someone that says, 
man, I've made a mistake or, you know, there's, there's a situation and it didn't happen in a vacuum and there's people, both sides are usually to blame. And I will tell you this, that God makes all things new and in, in Christ you're a new creation. And so that question is so complex um, and, and, and I would just go yes. back and, and just bringing steps when I, and identifying steps. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I was going to say is Anything, it's accountability. Like you can like, have my passwords. You, you got to be willing to be totally transparent. Rights. That's right. Be just being transparent with someone else or another couple, whether that's counseling, but that's where that's because there's nothing to hide. Like right. I'm not no hiding shadows. anything. Yes. I'm not hiding anything. I'm being completely transparent, completely, um, open to whatever those steps are and, and making sure that they're also, yes, is in accountability with, as in relationships. Amen. Aren't they amazing guys? Let's give them another round of applause. We made it. We made it. it. Okay. I just want to say thank you guys. I mean, truly we are all so thankful that we can come to a church where we can truly ask these questions and have open discussions. So thank you guys for everything. You're welcome. That's awesome. We love you. you.